You know, for those of you who were not here last night, um, we, we talked about this very subject, which is the presence of the Lord. And today we're going to do it again, as you can see, by faith. The parasha this week is ki tisa, and it means when you take or when you tally. Uh, and you can see the three portions that we are to read prior to coming here so that you are ready for whatever I do. And um, I'm going to speak from the middle of the Torah portion, which was our reading today, Exodus 33, 13 through 16. And we read it once, but it never hurts to look at a couple things again. It says, now then, I pray if I have found grace in your eyes. So Moses is speaking to God and saying, do I have, am I, am I going to see your grace? A am I going to see that in my life? And so the response from God is, he says, well, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, I think that Moses said, hey, that was a gimme. That was something I expected. Because he says, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't let us go up from here. So he was saying, hey, I, I had no, no understanding whatsoever that that wouldn't happen. You know, it's got to happen. It's, and, and so we see the importance that God and Moses place on Moses being in the presence of God. Now, then he says this last sentence, which is the one that kind of blows me away. Isn't it because you go with us that distinguishes us from all the people on the face of the earth? So I, I just think we should think about that a little. Uh, that, that means that we are distinguished by those who are not in his presence. And, and that's a key delineation. And you might say, well, what does it mean to be in God's presence? Well, we're going to talk about that. Moses prayed, and, and um, if, if, he said if, if we don't do this, we won't, move, we won't move from here. And that's pretty amazing because when you think about it, what he was saying was, we're not even going to go into the promised land. We're not going anywhere without you. So Moses saw the presence of God as that important. And the presence of God is something he prayed for, as I said. It was a sign. The presence of God was actually a sign from God that of his favor. And are you... The question is, are you like the Israelites who knew God's presence was with them but didn't experience his presence for themselves? Or are you like Moses who knew God's presence because he experienced it? So today, I want us to discuss a little bit about God's presence and let's look at his word. Now, first of all, there are two types in my mind of God's presence in Scripture. 
One is shown to us by Psalm 139. Where can I go from your Ruach? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, look, you're there too. Meaning that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Uh, that he is, uh, you know, but... And Jeremiah gives us a similar thing in Jeremiah 23. It's kind of interesting, the phraseology of it. Am I God only when near? It is a declaration of Adonai. And not God when far off? That's an interesting thing that God would say to him, to, to us. Can anyone hide himself in places so secret that I will not see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Again, showing that God is omnipresent. So we see that in, in Psalm 139 and Jeremiah 23. And so he hears what we do. He, he, uh, wherever you are, before you came in, God was with you in the sense that God is everywhere. And that's the good news and the bad news. The bad news is that since he knows what we're thinking and, our, you know, everything about us, that might be a little uh, difficult for us sometimes. But um, he generally looks at our hearts. So I think hopefully if our heart is seeking to go the right way. But God is always with us. And so we can be confident when we read Scripture so if he's omnipresent, if he's always around, then other scriptures like Isaiah 41.10, which you're all familiar with, fear not, I am with you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We see that as he will always do that because he's always around. He, he is always there. And, and Joshua 1, um, 9, have I not commanded you, chazak, be strong, do not be terrified or dismayed, for Adonai your God is with you wherever you go. However, that's not the type of presence that we talk about, and it's not the type of presence that Moses was talking about. He knew God was everywhere, I believe God's presence that you and I are talking about is when we see God working in our lives or we see some sort of engagement that we have with him. We sense an anointing. We sense something from God that there is an activity going on between God and us. And so when we're here worshiping, that's an activity that's going on between God and us. We just don't say, oh, God's all over the place. We're saying, I just really sense as I'm worshiping you, Lord, I'm sensing that you are doing something within my spirit, within me. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of interesting that there are probably some believers, maybe mostly non-believers, who don't have a concept for the presence of God. That concept just is, is difficult for them. Now, the majority of people that we read about in the Hebrew Scriptures had many encounters with God, Abraham, Noah, Moses, you know, Daniel, Isaiah. 
um, they were having conversations with God, it seemed like, all the time. And so they were obviously sensing God's presence, uh, and, and, but not the people of Israel, which is kind of weird. I mean, when you read this scripture of Exodus 40, and you contemplate what this is all talking about, and then you think about the Israelites. Well, we'll do that in a second. Let's read the scripture. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter into the tent of meeting because the cloud resided there, and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Now, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, B'nai Yisrael went onward throughout all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not move until the day that it was. For the cloud of Adonai was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was there by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So you're telling me for 40 years, the people of Israel saw God's presence in a tangible way, and they did not experience God's presence. That's hard to believe. That is really unbelievable. But I think it's probably true still today. There are people who know about God. They believe in God, but they've never experienced the presence of God. Why do you think that is? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> if you wanted to talk about that, that was last night. <laughs> the first thought about God's presence for me is that his presence is obviously we discussed all around him. But why do these people not experience God? I believe that there are Three, well, really one reason that has two other parts to it, or maybe three reasons, however you want to look at it. One is there's a lack of faith. Number two is a cultural block. And three is that people don't feel they're worthy. I think they all can connect to the cultural block because the cultural block, when I speak about that, I'm referring to our culture is so anti-spiritual things that we have an automatic disposition against them, especially the supernatural. It's hard for us to believe it. We have to break our preconceived ideas born from the culture we grew up in and the culture all around us that's anti-miracles, anti-spiritual, and even anti-God. I mean, listening early this morning as, as Pat had the, the uh, radio, uh, TV on and they were talking about Canada, they were talking about the terrible persecution against the church in Canada. And, and, and that the Canadian pastors wrote a, a letter to Trudeau um, saying 
that, you know, it, it was like um, two or three paragraphs, and it was powerful talking about getting back their rights to be free to worship. It, it was really... Um, it was really something. But that's our culture. And, you know, the, people want to put God in a box. They, they struggle with putting Scripture above their own experiences and preconceived ideas. And believers do this too. It, you know, when the, one of the simplest Scriptures is trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, we can say this, probably every kid can say this, and lean not on your own understanding. But when you think of what God's asking, you say, whoa, this is hard. This is hard, and, and so there's this culture that is anti, and, and, and it, you know. So let me give you an example from my own life. I used this last night. When I was 18, I received Yeshua as my Messiah. I didn't start walking with the Lord until about age 25. Uh, you know, I had head knowledge, but I didn't really, I wasn't walking with him. I mean, that's the best way to say it. When I started walking with him, um, obviously I wanted to talk about the Lord a lot, and I realized that I had a block against saying the name of Jesus. And I had a block against saying the name of Yeshua. You know, sometimes people say, oh, well, just say Yeshua. Didn't matter. I understood both to be the same, and I, even though I believed in, but my, my upbringing somehow put a block in me in terms of mentioning his name. Because Jewish people don't do that. Unless, uh, you know, unless they swear. And that's a whole nother thing. But, so it took me a long, it, it took me probably a couple years before I really got comfortable. But another example is, you know, was healing for today. Well, as a Jewish kid, you know, I'm thinking, healing, oh, come on. You know, this is like uh, mystical stuff, and, you know, I don't believe in that. But it took this Jewish boy, so to speak, uh, my wife to be healed dramatically at a prayer meeting that she had been suffering from, uh, from uh, what's it called, uh, skin uh, rash, uh, skin rash, for years and years and years, and the doctors really couldn't do anything about it, and it was gone. It, it just left. And I said, okay, I, I guess I have to reevaluate some of my understanding, but it was difficult because, you know, to try and separate out fact and, and fiction and 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 what is uh, what is fairy tales and what is actually God working in the supernatural realm was a difficult thing, and it it definitely I I think slowed my progression in those early years. Well, I think that some people don't go further than that. In other words, they still have those blocks. And they, the blocks come from so many different places. You know, it can be from your parents. It can be from your peer group. It can be fr from what you hear in school. 
It can be here, you know, there's so many reasons that we have these blocks. What you see on TV, what you read in the newspapers or magazines, what you see in the movies. They have the power to change our way of thinking rather than being transformed by God, we're transformed by the culture. We see that with our kids and, and how they view uh, the, the whole gender areas. Our, our kids are, are fairly lenient in this area, thinking that there's tolerance involved here when God's word is really clear. But they, they, they feel that we are now out of touch and intolerant because the culture has just put so much of this in their hearts and minds, it's difficult for us to communicate with them and say, but God's word. Because they say, oh, you always say that, you know, and it's something like that. So the culture is, is very strong, and we have to be very careful as believers that we can break those walls down we, we have to just break them down. And, and that's, a, that's a scriptural and spiritual thing. Um, so as an example, and, and you know, some of the blocks, by the way, are self-inflicted because we have so many fears that oftentimes we're fearing things. And, and you know, I can, yeah, there are all sorts of stories I can tell. But at any rate, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's really a key scripture for, for this concept of, of breaking down these blocks and at first recognizing that we have this problem that the world has sort of given us, and, and secondly, to try and do something about it, realize that the only thing that's powerful enough to change this is God's Word. And so, uh, again, we see another scripture, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above. Where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God, focus your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. These are two prescriptions, these two scriptures of how to break, break this, this block that is, is, is blocking us. It's, it's terrible. The more we focus on God, the more we push aside that block and our natural inclination because we have gone through, whether you like it or not, cultural brainwashing. And, and we have to, what I like to say is, we have to wash our brain with God's word instead of washing it with all the culture. But it's difficult. It's difficult. And so th that's one thing. And, and really the lack of faith also causes us to believe we are unworthy, that we're not good enough. And we are not taking God's word to mean what it means, which is that, you know, that he has 
made us good enough, that through Yeshua and, and the blood sacrifice, we are good enough because that's how he's presenting us, just like in Ephesians 5 where it talks about the wife and the husband and the husband representing Yeshua is to, is to uh, show the body, uh, which is the wife, uh, show the body of believers to be without... Uh, without um, blemish and, and without wrinkles. It's good for the women, right? You see? They're, they're always worried about blemishes and wrinkles. But, uh, yeah. So, um, these, are, these are lies from the enemy, and the enemy has the culture, and, and we have God, and that is a fight. And, you know, we might have faith for salvation, but we don't have faith for miracles. We might not have faith for healing since we've seen people who are not healed. However, you know, we know that in Scripture, um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen. And that, that scripture has to go deep within our spirit because the understanding of that scripture is so important to us. Because if we are going to look for the, the seen in, in the spiritual realm, it is going to be very difficult for us to accept miracles and signs and wonders. And we see that in Hebrews eleven six, it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Most of us can believe that he exists. But do all of us believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him? If things are going bad in your life right now, do you still believe he's a rewarder of those who seek him? The culture is going to say, no, you can't do that. But being in God's presence and, and, and understanding what God is saying in his word, we realize that that's a truth that has to be in our brain. It has to wash our brain so we can clean out the garbage that's already there. I believe that knowing and experiencing the presence of God is a faith issue. And I believe that it is also like, you know how many people in the body, a lot of people in the body of believers do not believe that 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about the gifts of the Spirit, are for today. Now, I would just like to say, okay, I can understand that having talked to some of you, maybe you don't have words of wisdom. We'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit some other day. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, listen to these gifts. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and then the third one is faith. Now, let me explain that all of you who have accepted Yeshua as your Messiah have faith. Because in order to proclaim it, you have to believe it. And so you all have faith. Now the question is, how much faith? And 
we know that just the faith of the mustard seed, we can move mountains. Faith is what we need to understand the presence of God. Faith is what we need to understand the miracles and the prophetic moving of God and distinguishing spirits and tongues and interpretation of tongues. All of the things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 the, and gifts of healings, these are things that really can only be understood through the faith realm. Because as you, you just can't, as much as you like to prove it, you say, well, look, for 10 years I've had this rash on my arm and my hands, and now it's gone. Oh, well, let me think of a reason why that happens. Well, yeah, there's a reason. It's called God. God did it. And, and so, but, but that's not what people say. When the veil is over their eyes, when their eyes are not open, when there's not faith going with, with everything else they know, the, the faith has to say, look, this is God. Everything is from God, and this is from God. So we have to understand that if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, I, I want to, 12.1, this is an interesting thing about this scripture. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. The reason God is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, is because if you don't understand these gifts, you're going to be ignorant. So this is the warm-up to explaining what the gifts are. And it's like a mystery, you know, one of those Jonathan Kahn things. It's a mystery. But God is here to explain the mystery. We don't need Jonathan. We just need God and follow what he says. So, you know, and I, whenever I get to this point, I always say what my controversial opinion is, which very few people like, but it's my opinion. And that is that everybody has all of the gifts, all of them. It's just that they haven't exercised them, they haven't acknowledged them, and so they lay dormant. And until we decide to do what Scripture says and earnestly desire the gifts, they will stay asleep. They will just stay asleep. And so the more you practice and exercise, the more you will see God delivering to you the gifts of the Spirit and including God's presence because I don't think you can... Uh, be involved in these gifts of the Spirit without God's presence. So you will all of a sudden realize the importance of the presence of God because that's what that's the acknowledgement of that is our foundation is the beginning of recognizing the gifts in ourselves. So we have to look at these gifts and say, okay, which one am I going to seek after? this week, this month, this year. And maybe it's just faith, because faith is obviously a foundational gift. But 
And, and so if you go to verse 8, which we have up here, uh, for to one is given through the Spirit, the Ruach, a word of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge, according to the same Ruach. To another, faith by the same Ruach. To another, gifts of healing by the one Ruach. So, look, obviously God can heal whenever he wants to. And there are times where we've prayed, and I go back many, many years where I was actually angry with God uh, for a few weeks because uh, there was somebody in our lives, who uh, a 29-year-old gal uh, who Pat and I used to sing with, and we just enjoyed her, and, and she died. And I sought for at least a day or two to try and raise her from the dead. I mean, I was, I was just, I mean, this 29-year-old kid should not be dying. And it, it just burned me up, and it just got me really upset. And, and so I had a, a negative reaction. But, you know, the other thing is God is sovereign, and, and you just have to accept you, you pray, you, you, you walk in the spirit realm, and then you accept his response. That's all you can do. And, uh, but God asks us to pray. He asks us to continually do that. So here we see in this just two verses, we see the gift of healing, but we see it right alongside faith. So I know that all of you who are believers have faith. So my deduction is that all of you have the gift of healing. All of you have the words of wisdom. All of you have words of knowledge. And the, the stronger we get into God's presence and recognize his nearness and recognize what he wants to deposit in our life, then that will be based on our faith and the presence of God. So... As I close, let me just say, if, if you're a believer in Yeshua as your Messiah, you have faith. And I believe you have the potential to have any of the other gifts. But I also know that there are some who don't believe in Yeshua. And I would just say that this is the time to make that change we need to open our eyes, open our hearts, know that God's presence is all around us, but he wants to work with us and have a relationship. And if he is involved in the supernatural, which obviously he is, that means we have to be also involved in the supernatural. God wants you to be released from a slave mentality that's what came out of Egypt. That's what stayed in the desert. God wants us to be out of that mentality. He wants you to be free from those shackles. And in order to be, and when you are free, you will have your eyes opened and you will see, you will understand His presence, whether we're doing it in worship, which we'll do in a couple moments, or whether you're walking down the street. God wants to connect with you at all times. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us is Yeshua who enables each one of us 
to be cleansed of our sins so that we can be close to God and continuously be in his presence, but not just his omnipresence, but the fact that he's doing something, working within us. So if you do not know Yeshua as your Messiah, whether you are here or whether you're on Facebook Live, you should accept him into your life because you want to be have him, uh, his presence, you want to uh, feel his presence and understand his presence and be in his presence and acknowledge his presence. So I'd ask you to pray. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins because I know they separate me from you. But I am so very, very thankful that Yeshua came down and came into my life and into the lives of all peoples to bring me close to you so he atoned for my sins. He washed me clean. And so I receive Yeshua into my life. And for that reason, I dedicate my life to you. I want to live for you. I want to have a great understanding. I, I want to know the presence of, not just to understand it, but to know in the sense of, of experiencing the presence of God. And so I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Father, I just ask you if anybody has done this, that they would contact us either today or by email. And I ask, O oh Lord, that these people who are receiving you into their lives, I pray for them right now that there will be an enormous move of your spirit on them and they will be strong in you and they will be blessed by you and they will be encouraged by you. Whatever they're going through, I pray for them in the name of Yeshua. I also pray for this congregation that as we go into worship, that it won't be a time of just thinking about you, Lord, but it will be a time where your presence will be so clear in our hearts and minds. So we bless you, we thank you, and praise you in the name of Yeshua. Amen.